Take your Bible, if you would, and make your way to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is in the New Testament, and uh, find your way to the sixth chapter of the book. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. A couple of weeks ago, we broke from our series in the Gospel of John to spend some time during the Christmas season, the end of the year, the beginning of the new year, all the way up to revival, and just introduce to you a thought and a theme that God had laid on my heart entitled, Joy to the World. And we've set aside some time as, as God's people looking at the peoples of the world and being reminded of how much God loves the peoples of the world. Especially at Christmas time do we see this reminder as God gave his son uh, out of love for the world. And God gave his son to be the savior of the world. As a church body we have been looking at, at our, our position according to the peoples of the world. How we relate to them. Our responsibilities to see the need of the peoples of the world. We began with a message that was designed to bring a burden to our heart. And it took that phrase that from the book of uh, Ephesians that they were without God in the world. And we saw how many of the peoples of the world are without God in the world. It doesn't mean that they're without God's goodness or without God's love or even without God's presence as far as ministering to them. Um, Cornelius was a man that loved God. Cornelius was a man that prayed to God. Cornelius was a man that gave to God. And yet, really and truthfully, before the Apostle Peter ever showed up, you would say Cornelius was a man that was without God in the world. There were three things that we talked about, people that are without God. To be without God is to be without Jesus. To be without Christ as your Lord and Savior. Without Christ in your heart, without Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are without God in this world. Without the Lord Jesus in our hearts, we're without spiritual blessing. We're without hope. The peoples of the earth need to be born again. Our responsibility as Christians, Paul would later tell us, is that we are to shine as lights in this world. He called this world crooked and perverse as far as not a straight path toward righteousness It's one thing to hang Christmas lights on our house and to enjoy Christmas lights, but you're to be a Christmas light for the glory of the Lord. You're to shine the brightness of salvation in and through your life. You are the one that people ought to be able to see the Lord Jesus in you. We are to shine as lights in this world. And by the way, the darker the world is, is the brighter the light ought to shine. And so last week, as our Sunday before Christmas... We looked at our Savior, and we went to the same book in chapter number 3, and we saw that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world. And so the world needs to believe upon the Lord. Today, in keeping with that, I want to take this phrase again, uh, in the in this thought again of the world, and I want to preach to you to a message entitled "In with Nothing, Out with the Same." In with nothing, out with the same. 
Would you go to verse number 6 of chapter number 6, please? And let me give you my, my text. The Apostle Paul, writing to the preacher, says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I want to take that verse, verse number 7 today, and preach to you the message entitled, In with nothing, out with the same. I want to preach to you from the passage a perspective about life, a purpose on the things of life, and the practice of your life. Pastor, the thought that I brought nothing in, but I can take nothing out of this world, where do you get the word joy in that verse? Many people would see this as a morbid thought, but I would submit to you today it's a very motivating thought. Many people would see this as a fearful thing. I see it as a freeing way to live. Many people would see the absence of peace. I see a wonderful life of peace in this, in this verse We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I think as we end 2020, we're looking for a little bit of perspective, how to put 2020 into perspective. We're preparing ourselves for 2021, and I have found that a pandemic brought with it pressure, An election brought with it pressure. But more than a pandemic and more than an election and more than protest, I have found that one thing that brings about pressure in our lives are the things of our lives. Or the desire for things in our lives. Materialism has a way of bringing tremendous pressure. At the end of the year, as you analyze your life, sometimes you end up comparing yourself with your neighbor, comparing yourself with somebody else. Some people value their life on the things that they possess. The Lord Jesus said this, that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he has. Many people have a drive to possess. That drive to possess can bring about tremendous pain. And I want to give you some perspective today as the child of God, and I want to give you some perspective in in humanity about God. And I hope it helps bring a joy to your life. The perspective is we brought nothing into this world, And it's certain we're going to carry nothing out. Job said, naked came I from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. You would be amazed at how many people think that they can take their stuff with them. Brother Joey was telling me about a man, a very wealthy man who died and wanted to be buried with all his money. 
His wife, being a very brilliant lady and a widow left behind, wrote him a check. (laughs) You'll get that when you go home. (laughs) Right? How much energy people put in to keeping what they possess, to polishing what they possess, to hoarding what they possess. This truth is given by the apostle to the preacher because he's got to deal with some dishonesty in the church. He's got some men in the church that have a philosophy that is dishonest. The philosophy is exposed in verse number 5, if you would look at it, please. The Bible says, perverse disputings of men, I'm jumping into a text here for sake of time, of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. He's got some men that have a clever disguise. The disguise says the more you have, the more godly you are. The disguise says the less you have, the less blessed that you are. The Apostle Paul, helping the young man, exposes the heart and mind behind this disguise. You'll find this exposure in verse number 10, please. For the love of, say the word please, money is the root of all evil. The Bible does not say that money is evil. Money is good or evil depending on how you use it. The Bible does address the love of money. The Bible speaks to this desire as being the root of all evil. All evil? So a man cheats on his wife. At the root of your heart you love money. Wife cheats on a husband. The root of evil is the love of money. The thought is, you love money, there's nothing you will do, there's nothing you will not do to pursue it or have it. Everything is available. This love is not just a desire to have money, it's an exaltation of money or things above God. This had crept inside the church. And so the way that they um, made it nice and religious is they said, um, this is evidently, the, my gain is evidently the, the, the blessing of God. The evidence that it is not is found in the direction here of verse number 5. Paul tells him at the end of that verse, from that type of mentality, withdraw thyself. In verse number 6, he he reminds them about the most important thing upon the earth, and that would be godliness with contentment. I find that people who, who love things, that love materialism, that are driven for these things, they never know contentment 
in their life. Paul said, having food and raiment in verse number 8, let us therewith be content. Furthermore, this philosophy is dangerous and self-destructive. Verse number 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. They have pierced, who class? Themselves through with many sorrows. This is the encouragement that the apostle is giving the preacher to help the church. And the encouragement is this. Preacher, tell the church that when it comes to the things of this world, you brought none of them in and you're going to take none of them out. I submit to you that that needs to bring some perspective to the house of God. I submit to you that as you think about that in your life, it will bring a peace and it will bring a joy. The temporal things of this world do not carry an eternal value. The eternity of verse number 7 is in the part where it says we can carry nothing out. You and I will leave this world one day. Our things will stay. You and I had better be prepared to leave this world. And our things can't get in the way. You were born into this world, body, soul, and spirit. You were born into this world spiritually dead in the trespass of of your sin. Your soul was under the condemnation of that sin. We were lost on our way to a Christless eternity. But God loved us. And God sent His Son into the world to be our Savior. And the most important thing you possess in this world, my friend, is your soul. Not your Kia soul. The soul God gave you. Here's the part part that's difficult. People put more significance on the temporal things that they possess that will not leave this world than the greatest eternal thing you possess, which is your soul. And if you're not careful, the things of this world get in the way of you finding rescue for your soul in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says to the believer, to those in the church here, to everyone, you brought nothing in, you're going out the same way. I think God brings humanity in the world with nothing to teach him that he will exit the world the same way. That nothing is with material things. When you and I exit this world, the greatest thing we can exit this world with is a saved, righteous soul. The presence of God in our heart. The salvation of God. Pastor, if things are temporal and things will not transfer over into the next world, then why do I possess things? 
That's a good question. Let me show you the purpose of things in your life as God has given them. Look, if you would, at verse number 17, please. Apostle Paul is finishing up here and is and making this, enunciating this purpose. Charge them, Timothy. Charge them that are rich in this world. Who's the them? Who's the them that he's talking to in this passage of scripture? This passage of this book was written to Timothy who pastored a church. He's speaking to rich Christians. Pastor, I, I, I thought you couldn't be rich and be a Christian. Where'd you get that idea from? He's speaking to rich church people. <laughs> he ain't speaking to me, Pastor. Let me explain something to you. Everybody in this building is richer than a vast host of the population of the world we live in. Travel the world. Make your way to Haiti, poorest country on the earth. I've been to Israel. There's wealth there, there's poverty there. Make your way anywhere you want to go in the world and you will find that if you live in this great country of America, compared to other Americans, you may fall short somehow, but compared to most of the people of the world, you're a rich man and you're a rich woman. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to do what, class? Enjoy. Does God have a problem with you being rich? No, God gave you your riches. Let's be real clear about something. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above. There's no such thing as a self-made man. Everything you possess in your life, God gave you. How many homes do you have? God gave you all of them. How many cars do you drive? God gave you all of them. How much money do you have in your pocket? God gave you every dime. What we need to understand, church family, is that God, our God is a rich God. And he blesses us richly, individually. Doesn't mean we're all going to be wealthy compared to everybody else. Paul's teaching Timothy perspective. He's dealing with a, a, a deceitful enemy that has crept in, that is against the word of God and going to do great damage. And Paul says, Timothy, tell the people, they brought nothing in. They're going to take nothing out. So the, the perspective of that is so stewarding as to what I possess. Well, why do I possess things? Because God gave you things to enjoy. Nothing wrong with you enjoying a fast car. 
Nothing wrong with you enjoying vacation. Nothing wrong with you enjoying things. Nothing wrong with you enjoying rings or, or beautiful diamonds or watches or, or, or things in your, in your home. God has given us things to enjoy. Nowhere in the Bible do Christians have to be poor and miserable. Okay? However, there are some things... That you're not allowed to do with your riches. First off is. You better not get high minded. God did not give you the nice things of your life. So that you could become a God to your life. God gives you things. That you can enjoy. But he does not want you to get high minded. Or haughty. Or feel like you're a self made person. He doesn't want to give you those things so you trust in those things. He wants to maintain that trust in the living God. Nothing wrong with having or possessing, but there is something wrong with worshiping things. There is something wrong with destroying your marriage to have things. There's something wrong with piercing yourself through a sorrow to have things. There's something wrong when you get them out of balance. But understand, what you have in your life, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's valuable or not, whether it compares to somebody else or not, the, everything we have in our life, God has given. No, pastor, I bought that. No, you didn't. God gave it to you. No, pastor, I worked hard for that. No, you didn't. God gave it to you. No, pastor, that was my idea, my investment. I saw that thing coming. Yeah, and who gave you your eyeballs? God is good and he's good all the time. And everything you have in your life as a thing, God gave it to you. But it isn't going with you. Oh, yeah. I know, Pastor, that's why I'm going to spend it all before I die. You would be foolish to do that. By the way, as you think about this message today, you'll feel the burden and the responsibility of stewarding what God has given to you. Every man in this room listen to Pastor Hunter. The Bible says this. You are to leave an inheritance to your children's children. That is your responsibility. A good man leaveth. Pastor, I I don't have much. An inheritance is not just things. An inheritance can be the gospel of Jesus Christ. An inheritance can be a legacy. An inheritance can be a direction. An inheritance can be something. But, but you, sir, and you, ma'am, as to what God has given to you is not designed to be spent on our whims. There's a stewarding process. Let me show you the purpose of what God has given you things for. He gives them to you richly to enjoy. Look at verse 18. We're charging those that have riches in this world that they do good. That they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate benevolent meet needs, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal 
life. Let me unpack that a moment. Nowhere in the Bible will you ever find that you can buy eternal life. Eternal life is not for sale. It's a free gift. But once you have received eternal life in the Lord Jesus, and once you've been born again, and Christ moves in you through the, the Spirit of God, and you're in the Scripture, and the mind of Christ becomes, the evidence of that is how you view the things of life. So all saved people realize they can't take any of this world's things with them. But we sure don't live like that. Mm-mm. We don't live like that. Why do you possess things? Is it wrong for you to possess things? Is it wrong for a man to have five cars? When I step over here, this is not God, this is me. No! If God gave you five cars, praise God. But use them for God. Is it wrong for you to have a, a, a nice, valuable... No! No! It's wrong to worship it. Well, I just have them polished up and I like to look at them. Fine, enjoy looking at them, but you're going to have to give an account for them. God's going to say, I gave that to you. How did you use that for me? The purpose that God has given you, everything you possess, is so that you can take the things of this earth and steward them for an eternal value. I take the things that God has given to me and, I, and I'm motivated to distribute good works. That doesn't mean I just go out and fling money in the air. I'm purposeful about what it is. That means if I have five cars, I use all five for God's glory. I have a home, I use that home for God's glory. I have things, I use them. That, that the things are temporal. I know I'm not enslaved to them. I don't worship them. They're the blessing of God, but God has given it to me for me to use in an eternal measure. So as I use the things that God has given to me, I'm always thinking about laying up for myself treasure in heaven. I'm always thinking about how that is stewarded for the glory of God. Nothing wrong with having a hobby. Nothing wrong with possessing these things. But the Apostle Paul would tell us that we ought to do good. We ought to be rich in good works. We ought to be ready to distribute. We ought to be willing to communicate, lay up in store for ourselves a good foundation against the time to come. The perspective is, I came in with nothing, I'm going out with nothing. So how do you use what God has given to you? If you begin to worship it, And you try to hoard it, you're going to find pressure like you've never seen. But if you realize God gave it to you to enjoy, but God also gave it to you to serve Him, then you begin to be creative. Then you begin to be adventurous. Then you begin to be investing. Then you begin to see, as God uses these different resources, what God can do with with, with what we have. Pastor... I, I hear what you're saying, but I have so little. I have so little. I don't have any money. I struggle every month. I can't even tell you what's in my house that's decent. If you were to see my car right now, Pastor, I... I have the heart and the mind to do what you're saying. But I look at what, what I have and there just ain't no way. There just ain't no way. Oh, I, I can understand Brother Joey. He's a billionaire. Just kidding. 
okay, let, let me help you with some thoughts here. Number one, you have what you have because God has given it to you. Thank God for what you do have. Number two, when I read the Bible, the people that touched the world enough in such a grand way that God put them in the Bible were the people that had very little. Jesus was sitting in that treasury and all those deacons came in and they put all their money in. Cling, 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 cling. And that little widow went in there and put in two mites. And Jesus said, she's given more than all of them. Let your pastor encourage you. I think it is, in my dealing with people, it is more difficult to steward little than it is to steward much. Don't despise the day of small things. He had two loaves, or five loaves, two fishes. She had two mites. He had one lamb. She had one meal left. And they allowed what they had that God had given them to be used for God's glory. And God took those things and multiplied them. Second thing I would do. If meagerness is the theme of your life, then you got to go back and find a quiet place with God. And you got to say, God, am I doing something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? Faithful in the small things, ruler over many. Somehow am I not faithful, God? I want to be faithful. If I'm not, tell me. If I am, then I'm just going to keep doing what I'm going to do. You have no idea until you get to heaven and God unfolds it all what God has done with your faithfulness. But you can't take it with you. The perspective is the things of this world are in this world. They don't consist my life. The purpose is I take these things, I enjoy them, I enjoy them richly, but I am using them for the glory of God. The practice. Look, if you would, at verse number six. I'm almost done. Verse number, I'm sorry. Verse number 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things... And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Here's what Paul is saying about the things of life. He's saying, listen... The greatest contentment you can have is godliness. You cannot let the things of the life keep you from what is important. Pastor, how, how do I know 
if I'm operating right with the things of life that God has given to me. If those things are keeping you from righteous behavior, from godliness, from faith, from love, from patience, from meekness, or from fighting the good fight of faith, you're out of order. What does that mean? God, get, God blesses a man with a big salary. God blesses a home with wonderful things, wonderful toys. He gives them all these things richly to enjoy. And the next thing you know, they can't come to church because they got to polish their boat. Or they can't, they can't, they can't trust the Lord because now they got payments. And God says, Tom, I gave you those things to enjoy. I gave you those things to steward. I never gave you those things to get between you, your godliness or your walk with me. How do I know I'm out of order in my things when I'm out of order in the list that's here? The reality is, out of the practice of godliness, out of the practice of righteousness, faith, love, patience, and meekness in the good fight of faith, that is the mentality that I look at the things that I have that God has given, and that's how I steward them. You would be amazed at how shook people get over trying to have the things of this world. I want to bring joy to you today and let you know you brought nothing into this world. You're taking nothing out. But what does go out of you is your eternal soul. You cannot let the things of this world get in the way of your soul being redeemed by the Lord. Why would you let drugs, alcohol, money, things get keep you from giving your heart to Jesus? All of those things will burn up one day. Your soul is forever. Christian, so what are you doing with your things? Well, I just look at them. I don't know. God gave them to you for a purpose, man. How are you stewarding what God has given you? Well, well, I'm, I'm investing it so it multiplies. Awesome. First thing is, you're investing it, God's multiplying it. Not you. Not you. So as God multiplies it, what are you doing? I'm reinvesting it. Great. But how are you using it for God? Oh. Oh, I, I, uh, hmm. I don't know. I was going to leave it to my children. Ha! No, you got to think, sir. You got to think, ma'am. That's why God gave it to you. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't worship it. Don't live for it. Use it for the kingdom of God. And don't you dare let the things of the world get in the way of our walk with God. You're not taking them out with you. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father God. What a truth. What a truth. 
Paul said, Tim, it's certain, man. I brought nothing in. Going out the same way. And yet, when you think about how much energy we give to life to have things, nothing wrong with having things, things that God gives us. God gives us things to richly enjoy, not to worship, not to be high-minded, to praise him, to worship him, to use for his glory, to use for salvation, to use for eternal things. We're all going to have to give an account. For how we stewarded the resources of God's life, uh, that God has given to our lives. It's great to have a big bank account. Fantastic. But it is uncertain. We can invest it in the certainty of the judgment seat of Christ. Good message to end 2020 with some perspective. We spend a lot of time and other things that we should spend in righteousness, faith, godliness, meekness, fighting a good fight of faith. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today and they're not a believer. The most precious thing they possess in this world is their soul. They will not carry one thing out of this world, but they can carry salvation in their soul with the Lord Jesus pray, God, there be somebody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day that they would open up their heart. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be saved. Or in the Christian, we possess these things. We can't take them with us, but we can use them to lay up stuff for heaven. Treasure where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt or thief break through and steal. Give us an eternal mind about what we have on this earth. I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'll just give you a minute to kind of process what you've heard today, Christian. Let me start with you. Whether you think you have little or whether you think you have much, I hope you have a perspective about the things of this earth. I hope you understand the purpose that God has given them to you for you to enjoy, but also to use for Him, to use for the kingdom. And I hope that these things don't take away the practice of your life they're not that important if they were that important you'd take them with you maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord would you like to receive him as your savior right where you sit today you could simply tell the Lord Lord I believe on you I believe that you died for me were buried and you rose again and I want you to be my savior I want you to forgive me of my sin I want you to cleanse me. I want you to come into me and take me to heaven when I die. I give you my heart and my belief today. Right where you are, you could do that. Just like Martin did. In a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. The altar will be open. Men will be here to pray with anybody who needs to pray. The altar for God's people will be there. If you'd like to receive the Lord, we sure would love to show you. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, God, help us now. Lord, Speak to our hearts. What a perspective we leave with today on the things that, we, that you have given to us to enjoy. 
and also to communicate as we serve you. Lord, only you know the application to the depth of each individual. So, Spirit of God, respond there, I pray. If there be anybody here that's not a Christian, but today would like to take care of the most valuable thing they possess. They can't take their television out or their car or their bank account, but they can take the Lord with them in their soul and take salvation. I pray that you let them come forward. Let us take a Bible. Show them how to be saved. Have your way now in Jesus' name. Amen. Our song is Jesus Paid It All. All to Him I owe. Man of God, be ready to pray with someone. This will be our invitation. You come as God leads you. as you go home today in a moment you're going to leave here and you're going to walk out to your car before you get in your car stand there and look at your car no matter what you think about your car thank you God for giving me my car when you go home before you go into your house no matter what you think about it thank you God for giving me my house how do you want to use it God When you go out to lunch today, thank you, God, for enabling me to go out to lunch today. I'm enjoying this lunch. I promise you, if you begin to thank God for what you have, you'll find you have way more than you thought you ever had. It's the way you live your life. That's the way you do. I don't know if you have this practice, but don't let the year end without thinking about your life. Take a strategy session. Sit down with the Lord. Sit down with your Bible. God, 2021, what do you want me to do in 2021? Oh, he'll show you, I promise you. If you love the Lord, say amen. Thank you for being here today. I love you with all my heart. Won't see you till 2021. No greater hymn to go out of today than to God be the glory. God bless you.
God bless you all. You are dismissed.